great. It's good to be here always. And I say that with a lot of um, humility in my heart. Um, this place has been a family like a family should be. Um, Simon, thank you for the way you lead us here. Thank you so much. And a big thank you to every one of us as well. Uh, for some of you, you will know that in the last couple of weeks, I've had to go to Nigeria to, um, of course, for the funeral of my dad. Um, it was great. If, that's what, if, if you are <laughs> expecting something from me, it went really well. Yeah. One of the things that God gave us, um, one of the words that we were standing on, two things really. One, the scripture that says, you will not see rain, you will not see dew, but the valley will be filled with water. And that was one scripture that God gave us. And did we see that valley filled with water? Boy, it was huge. You know, God came through for us financially in so many ways. Um, the other scripture, that, the other thing that um, God gave us was that unless a seed dies, it abides by itself. And so we knew immediately that what God was after was for the reproduction of his servant who had just gone to be with the Lord. And so we prayed earnestly into that. And if you know where I'm from, you will know that that's a difficult thing to, to do because we were contemplating, do we bury him in Lagos? Do we bury him in his village? But we knew exactly, once that word came, we knew exactly what God was trying to say. We took him to his village and that was a difficult one. However, we saw the salvation of Jesus burst through that village mightily. Young men who have been schooled in the act of divination and all manner of stuff came and said, you know what, we don't want to walk in the ways of our fathers anymore. We just want, we just want to give ourselves to this Jesus. And this was a funeral guy. <laughs> so really, I am extremely grateful for what God has done. And thank you for your generosity. Quite a number of people made sure that my wife almost contemplated not having me come back again. Because <laughs> it was one dish after the other, one meal after the other. This church showed so much generosity. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, and also um, financial you know, help as well. In, you know, we were expecting, we were, we were, on one of those occasions, we were preparing for 600 people. Guess what? Over 3,000 people showed up. Over 3,000 people. You think about it. And I'm not saying 3,000 people that just say hi, shake their hands. No. I mean, cater for them. You know, so the way a man of God made provisions available is beyond us. We can, I can only stand here and say, thank you, Jesus. You know, so if you would join me and just say, thank you, Jesus, really. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my name is Fortune for those who are meeting me for the first time. Um, if you want to know my Nigerian name, it's called Udeme. Can you try that? Yes, good. Yeah, it means the gifts of God, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm a worshiper. Um, I love to worship. I, I feel very deeply that God has called me to lead his people into deeper relationship with God from a place of just fellowshipping with God. I, I feel that very strongly. And I've, uh, it's been for quite a number of years now. I've seen God break through in our meetings where we just 
there and worshiping. I've seen him do incredible things, you know. Um, one of such occasions, uh, I was in a service and as singers or worshipers, you, you handle everything. It's not, it's not just a few part of the worship. You are, you are involved in everything. <laughs> so we had a, a, a time where you're giving offerings and you have to come from the back to the front and dance and go, you know, and do, have you been to those kind of churches before? Right. I think we should start that here, Simon. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be the one here checking what did you put in the offering. <laughs> but we were singing and dancing, ladies and gentlemen, and, and all of a sudden the service could not continue just that way anymore because the Holy Spirit broke through into the, into the service and we started seeing healing happening there, people falling on that side, and it was immense. You know, so it's, it's been awesome to be um, a student of God, really, and just to see what God has been doing. So, so this morning I hope in such ways I can provoke you as well into deeper fellowship with God. Because that's what I've come to do, to see how I can um, perhaps provoke you in pursuit of God like never before. In ways that perhaps it was when you first gave your life to Christ and you've forgotten about it. You know, I say this because where, where, where I'm from, you know, <laughs> we depend on God for everything. I'm telling you, we, we, we cry out to God for everything. For good road, we are crying. <laughs> for food on our table, we are, oh God, if you don't help us today. You know, that's, we, so I grew up with that kind of um, mentality. And sometimes it's good to come to the West and enjoy some comfort of God, but it doesn't diminish the fact that there is still a hunger and a yearning yeah. in our heart that should be revisited. Yeah. So I'm, Amen. Amen. <laughs> right, so uh, if you have your Bibles, really, if you can open to Matthew chapter 6. We've been looking at the series on extraordinary prayer, and today we're going to be focusing on a very interesting topic, the joy of fasting. Reactions? Okay. <laughs> right, right. I know when you, when you say fasting, so many things go through people's, ooh, what's that, what's that, that's not for me, I'm going out the door, or whatever, I don't know. But we are going to be talking about the joy of fasting. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew chapter 16. You know, in preparing for this, I began, God began to stir my heart in a particular way. It reminded me of um, John chapter 14. Jesus Christ began to say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And then fast forward, we went to John 15, and it says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. And that blew my mind. I'm like, all right. So that's like a box in a box in a box, isn't it? So you've got the Father, you've got Jesus and the Father, and then if you also then find yourself in Jesus... It's more or less like before the enemy will get to you, he has to go through the Father and then Jesus before he gets to you. Does that not excite you? I was excited about that, to be in a box, in a box, in a box. That's such, if you want to be in any box, I know that you keep saying, don't put me in a box. If you want to be in any box, be in the box of the Father. 
<laughs> really. <laughs> That's the box you should be in. But the, the, the interesting thing, though, is the devil knows that when you are in that box, he really cannot have a hand on you. But guess what he does? He tries to call you out of that box. He tries to lure you out of that box. More or less, tempt you. That's what the scripture said concerning Jesus Christ. He tries to tempt you out because that's the only legal way he can get you out. Mind you, his end goal is not just to get you out of that box. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His end goal, though, is to destroy you. But because you somehow, in one of your spiritual journey, found yourself in the box with the Father, he's looking, he said, okay, what can I do? I will, I will lure this lady out a bit. And sometimes we, t- we do take, we consider his offers. Sometimes we do consider his offers. And in those periods, our mind can, and our soul can be fragmented because we're in between so many decisions. We saw an example of that with Jesus Christ when he was being led into the wilderness. And even he himself, after he has spent a couple of days just seeking God's face and praying and all of that, the devil came and tried to do what? To lure him out of that box again. But he had a different response. Unfortunately, Eve didn't have the same response because she had been in the garden with the father, more or less face-to-face, having good evenings and conversations with the father from time to time, conversing, and the father will come in the cool of the day. Oh, how are you guys doing? And what's going on through your mind? And all of those kind of stuff. And they are having conversations. That's the best place to be, in the center of God's will, just having communion with the father. That's, the Bible says that we are like a glass, like, and we are just staring at the father, and we're continually becoming like him. That's the best place to be. And the devil knows that that's the best place you should be. But guess what he does? He comes to Leo. Unfortunately for Eve, he was in a most vulnerable state. And the devil did Leo her. Oh, have you considered this thing? It looks so good, so shiny, so beautiful. Have you considered that? And then she considered it and stepped out of the box for a moment. The devil didn't curse Eve, but her action of stepping out of the box walked her into a curse already. And that's how it works. But the Bible says that our weapons of warfare are not carnal. God knew that we're going to be facing this on a continual basis. Jesus Christ knows that. And that's why he exemplifies certain things for us that we're going to be looking at. Jesus Christ knew that. Our weapons of Warfare are not carnal. And we are not fighting against humans. We are fighting against spiritual principalities and powers. That's what we are fighting against. So sometimes when your body is under oppression, when your mind is being oppressed, when your daily realities doesn't look like what you prayed for, don't for once think that you are fighting a physical battle. You are contending with the devil trying to lure you out. That's what is happening. And so, when we begin to talk about fasting, I want you to have a different perspective because what we are looking at is how do we deepen ourselves even furthermore in God? How do we run? You say when you are hidden in there, it's more difficult. 
you will think you can be an expert in understanding the tactics of the enemy. He's used the same tactics for many years, but somehow it still gets us. <laughs> it still gets us. Because some days you are hungry. Do you understand what I mean? Some days you will look at your account and it doesn't look like what you're looking for. And some days it's maybe your child. Have you, have you, have you had guys heard of the story of Job? Very similar, you know, he was devoted, completely hidden in God, but somehow. So when we, when we talk about fasting, just before we talk about it, I'm just going to read um, that scripture, um, Matthew. Stay with me. Matthew chapter 6. He says, from verse 16, he said, when you fast, this is Jesus Christ speaking now, he said, when you fast, do not sober as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you this, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you back up a bit in Matthew 6 and 16 and read from verse 2, you hear Jesus Christ say things like, when you give. And by, by the fifth verse, he said things like, when you pray. And then he went on to even tell us how we should pray. And almost like a continuation of prayer, he then comes to this verse in verse 16, and he says, when you fast. Almost like, as followers of Jesus, we are meant to do these things. Is anybody following me? So when it comes to giving, when it comes to praying, when it comes to fasting, really, we are meant to do these things. Now, unlike fasting, though, if you read the scriptures very well and, you know, you see that giving, for, for example, the Bible says give and it will be given unto you. That's more like a very direct instruction, isn't it? You see, you see things like that and you can comprehend that. And prayer, Paul at some point was saying to the Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. So you can see some form of instruction or doctrine, as you might call it, that you can glean on. But with fasting, it's... Not exactly that. Because it's not about just the instruction. It's about observing what Jesus Christ is doing. For me, I'm like, if Jesus Christ, like he was said in Luke 4, that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he spent 40 days there praying, fasting, and just turning his heart, literally, to God. He humbled himself in spite of everything that had been said. Mind you, he's just been, oh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The whole world was waiting for, wow, suddenly there's going to be a new manifestation. No, that was not his next move. His next move was to humble himself. His next move was to go into the wilderness and seek the face of God. If Jesus is doing that, I think it's important for us to observe that. And I understand 
the fasting can be quite controversial, and I'll come, come to that. And hopefully God will grant us grace to find ways around the controversies itself. But let's establish the fact that it's such an important and powerful tool that a Christian has. Our weapons are not carnal. Just like praise is a weapon. Just like prayer is a weapon. The ability to, by yourself, decide to deprive yourself just so that you can have time with God. To deepen yourself with God is a weapon. In Mark 2, 18 to 20, John's disciples began to ask Jesus questions again, just to buttress the fact that Jesus always meant that we would fast. They began to ask Jesus, look, the Pharisees are fasting. We are also fasting. Why is it that your disciples don't fast? And Jesus Christ said this word. Jesus answered, he said, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is still with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come, though, when the bridegroom will be taken. And on that day, they will fast. And they will fast. So I'm trying to steer your heart to posture yourself to be a part of this, really. Because come January next year, you've been, we've been having a lot of videos go out, some um, of our devotionals have been out already in preparation for our 21 days of prayer and fasting come January. We as a church have decided that, you know what? We are starting with this foundation where we want to abandon every other thing and just deepen ourselves in pursuit of God. And let's be a team. Let, let's not have somebody out of the box. Let's be a team together doing this. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can have you start thinking about it now and perhaps even start praying to see where do you fit into, in all of this? Where is the opportunity? Extraordinary prayer for us at King Psalms is bringing your own little extra into the ordinary and then we seeing what God can do. Bringing your little ordinary there or your little extra there and add it to the Ordinary things we've always been doing. The ordinary prayer we've always been praying. But just bring that little extra. And so, come January, we are starting with 21 days um, of prayer and fasting. And I want you to just be considering that in your mind right now. And just even praying alongside this week for the rest of the month. God, where will you have me function in here? In terms of fasting, fasting is not a Christianist thing. It's not, it's not a New Testament thing. It's always been. There are many situations in the Bible that we've seen um, people fast. Um, for example, when Saul and his children were killed, uh, the people of Jabesh took out about a couple of days to just, to just fast and mourn. We, we see a case of Esther in Esther 4, where God's people were challenged and were facing a very dire situation, you know? And in that moment, it was like <laughs> sink or swim. 
But Esther said, you know what, let's call a fast. Esther called a fast. And Mordecai and the people grouped together. And the fastest for three days. And did God come through for them? He did. And we see in the case of even Moses, while he was seeking God's face for divine direction and just seeking, Lord, how do I lead these people? You know, and he went up onto Mount Sinai and he was there face to face with God. And God started to pour into him. And he was, he was, Bible said when he came down from there, his face glowed. He was like glory. That's what happens when you spend time with God, you see? Like your face changes. The glory of God takes over. So what is fasting? Biblically speaking, fasting is an act of self-humbling. And that's what Jesus Christ actually, and um, that's the kind of fast that um, he's commanded. It's not just an act. I don't want you to focus on the act of fasting itself. Of course, when we, take, when we say fasting, many of you know it has to do with food, isn't it? Yeah, I say exactly. That's where it gets controversial, isn't it? Um, it's popularly, you know, we know it's, you know, abstaining for, for food for a spiritual purpose. And like I said, it's not a Christianist thing to do. So many religion um, observe this thing. Some people, some people actually um, engage in fasting as like a spiritual cleansing before they come to their deity. <laughs> and yes, food is always um, a very key component in this. However, I don't want us to get lost in thinking about food because really it's about humbling ourselves. It's about bringing our little extra and handing it over to God. That's what it's about. I do understand that there are quite a number of people who you have health challenges. You have um, issues with um, maybe food disorder and different things that might not allow you to engage in sustained periods without food. This is not about legalism. <laughs> I am not trying to give you an instruction here. That's not what it is. That's, that's not what it is about. It's about you finding a place with God and saying, Lord, what is that that I've got that I can give? Something that costs me a bit more. Something that costs me a bit. Food, of course, generally, for most of us, I'm going to say think about food, you know. For, for the rest of us, that have got no ailment, please keep your mind on food, really, about uh, uh, fasting as in abstinence from food. But let us also begin to think about what can you give? What can you bring that costs you a bit more than what you've given before that you can hand over to God that helps you posture your heart in a way that you are surrendering yourself. Mind you, we talk about humbling ourselves. Bible says that when you humble yourself, he, God himself, will do what? Will lift you up. That's what he's going to do. Fasting is a way to help us, to help train ourselves in the act 
of humility, really. Fasting is, is, is a way to help train ourselves consistently because when we, when we do engage in it, what we are saying is, Lord, you know what? I've come to the end of myself and I'm handing this over to you. You know, I wrote here, I said, when we fast, this is what we are declaring. We are saying, God, you are even more important than something so basic as our daily bread. That's what you're saying. You're saying, God, you are more important than this daily bread, which I'm going to, without, and I'm handing it over in view of this special need of more of you. That's, 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 that's the statement we are making. In the book of Daniel, just to buttress what I was trying to say before, in the book of Daniel, we saw King Darius, after Daniel was thrown into the um, lion's den, he, he gave up his evening meal. But not only his evening meal, he gave up his evening entertainment, his entertainment, the music and every other thing. That was what he had. That was what he had. So what do you have? Now this is not, again, I think Steve said a few things last week um, about not, it's not a race, it's not a trophy. No, this is not a trophy. If you, if you cannot fast, it's, God loves you anyway. If, if you cannot do it, it doesn't change God's love for you. But it's, it's, it's what you're saying is, can you help me? Can you give me grace? It's whether you have a desire to pursue him for more grace. That's what this is about. For those that can wait on him for maybe an hour, maybe you can do, you know, my kids at one point were having a family fast and they said, daddy, 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 we would like to join you in this. And I'm like, okay, how are you going to do that? And they said they were going to skip their, their morning meal. I said, okay. So they went to school, told the teachers they wouldn't be having the normal snacks in the, in, in, that they would normally have. And so they had their meal only in the afternoon. And they spend time, when we come back, we look at God's word and we pray together. And it was so beautiful. They felt really refreshed and, 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 and felt like they've done something out of the normal. They felt they've pushed themselves a little bit. It's like if you're part of a team, a football team. You have all the skills, but you don't have the stamina. And so you are dropped and sitting on the bench, even though you have all the skill, but you're sitting on the bench because you don't have the stamina to last long enough in the match. So this is we increasing our stamina in God. So this call is an opportunity to deepen yourself and increase your stamina. Perhaps increase your spiritual sensitivity. So when the devil comes trying to lure you out of the box, your spiritual antenna catches what that pattern looks like. Are you with me this morning? So, we have a devotional that we're going to be using for this um, 21 days. And, and it's not just about 21 days, though. We as a church are starting off, we're laying this foundation of 21 days and seeing how God is going to help us. But guess what? We are looking for opportunities even in the, in the course of the year that we can even do more. 
And I employ every one of you as well to look for opportunities. Even after the corporate fast, look for opportunities in your own life to deepen yourself. One of the things when you read that scripture in Luke 4, the Bible says, and the devil left him for a while. He left Jesus for a what? For a while. Why? Because he will always come back again and again. So it's not a one-time thing. You need to continually strengthen and sharpen your spiritual sensitivity. Amen. So we're using the Pete Gregg's guide to pray. Pray there means pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. So by pause, we say we're going to take periodic times. What we, what we call regular reading of pausing to fast. And in that period, we're going to spend time just focusing on the person of who God is and rediscovering our awe of God. When the devil attacks you, one of the things he takes away is your awe of God. Without the awe, it's difficult to reverence him. Without the reverence, it's actually very difficult to humble yourself before him. So we will be taking periodic times and just focusing our heart, you know, on Jesus. In this period as well, I will encourage you for, for those who perhaps like myself have just suffered loss here and there, or maybe you're going through one pain or the other. Um, Sarah Brown this morning was talking about some of the pains that she has been facing as well. And maybe you are like that. This is a period not to edit anything. It's a period to come as you are and bring everything. Bring your pain as well before God. Remember Hannah? She had so much pain. But she found ways in the place of pursuing God and denying herself, as it were, but much more. It wasn't just about denying herself. It was about focusing on God and humbling herself. And in the midst of that, God did come through for her. So let's not mask our pain when we come before God. One of the things that God revealed to me a couple of years back was even the angels cannot give the praise that we humans can. You know why? Because they are in glory just seeing the beauty of God. Oh, da, da, da. But we are here being hit on every side. <laughs> we are here being hit on every side. Today it works. Today, tomorrow it doesn't work. Like I woke up this morning and my boiler just decided to pack up. You know, that's challenging enough. But guess what? Even in the midst of that, I still have the opportunity to bring a praise to God. That is, that, is, that is a sacrifice of praise. And so we have the opportunity to do that in this season as well. The next word is rejoice. Rejoice just means when you focus on God well enough, there is no way your lips will not start worshiping him. When the awe of God is rekindled within you, something, a new song begins to bubble inside of you. So we're, we're trusting God that in this season, someone is going to have a new song. Someone is going to have a new song. Amen. 
And the third is ask. And when we say ask, of course, this is something that we are all kind of used to. The Bible says that up until now, you haven't even asked. You know, so we're going to be bringing our petitions. We're going to be asking God for directions. We're going to be asking God for guidance in this period and trusting that he will give us a blueprint for how to go through the rest of 2024. And lastly is yield. I like this part because we serve a merciful God. There is no one too evil that God cannot change. And there is no mercy too big that God cannot give. And we have to understand that. And so when we come to God in this season, not just for ourselves, that God will grant us grace and the humility to repent, but more so for other people. Perhaps there are people in your lives, in your circle, that you've just written them off. <laughs> this one, God can never touch this one. Perhaps this is a time to bring them before God as well. And trust God that just like he did for the people of Nineveh, and they repented, they wore sackcloth and fasted before him, and God transformed that whole community. There will be no mercy too far-fetched that God will not give in this season. Can we all rise up on our feet? I just want you to bow down your heads and, and, and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. What is it? What is the extra that you've got that you can bring? What is that extra that you've got that you can bring? And ask for grace as well. That as we go in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, that the enemy will not distract you. That you would have your heart and your focus fully locked on God.